A really warm welcome to Purposey with Kindness Collective founder Sarah Page. Two things to mention in this episode. My audio isn't great, but it's well worth persevering with. I don't talk much. Sarah is an absolute superstar, real inspiration. Um, and then just more broadly, if you're enjoying what you're listening to on Purposely, please leave a review. Please share with family and friends and colleagues. Uh, uh, enjoy the episode. Thank you. My son's thriving. I'm thriving. We have a, an amazing family team and it's life's good, you know? So I think that having that purpose with something bigger than yourself that's not about yourself is, is a really good way to heal. Purposely Podcast, speaking with social entrepreneurs and charity founders and leaders, people who are making the world a better place. Here's your host, Mark Longbottom. Hi, Sarah. Hi there. A really warm welcome to Purposely Podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Mark. You are the founder and CEO of the Kindness Collective. What's your mission and vision? Our mission is to bring as many acts of practical kindness as we possibly can to Kiwis in New Zealand. Uh, and our vision is that we want to make New Zealand the kindest place on the planet. And is New Zealand a kind place? Yeah, look, I think it is. I, I think, I, I really do think it is. I think that people want to do good and people want to help. And I think, especially in New Zealand, we do, we do take care of our neighbours. And I have found since building the kindness collective there are a lot of people out there who do want to lend a hand and you describe yourselves as matchmakers just describe what it looks like practically so we like to call ourselves matchmakers because we um, have this really large community of people and you know individuals brands businesses a whole bunch of people all working together to fix problems in society that come to us so we, we will have different referrals and requests coming through from all different organisations that we work with and we will go to our community and find resource for it. So we match those in need in the community with those who have more to share within our community. And are there examples you know, that you see um, where actually people are really touched by the art of, you know, the act of giving like, and, and also receiving? Oh, that's thousands and thousands of them so, you know we've our core group of members uh, a group of different people from different walks of life and and not all of them have necessarily been givers but they are all brought together by this this common theme of kindness and wanting to turn kindness just from this word into action in the community and I think you know there's there's so many different examples of of how the community rallies around different people and different organisations that we need that, that have needs and have resources and come to us. Um, one that springs to mind is we have worked with the Mother of Divine Mercy Women's Refuge uh, for eight years and they are an independent women's refuge. So they are the busiest, you know, and the largest in New Zealand and um they can we get referrals and all sorts from them all the time and I mean I'm there two or three times a week delivering resource and we had a call one night from a mother in a safe house who had arrived with two children and she didn't even have clothes or shoes for her babies um, and she had nothing and she had no visa or you know she wasn't able to get any support from the government and um, I put the call out to our community to see what we could do to help her and within 12 hours, we had $3,000 worth of 
cash and donations ready for her. We had everything she needed to start her new life, furniture, clothes, everything that her babies needed, um, you know, TVs, couches, washing machines. We had everything for a new home. We had um, a new phone for her, credit, all the things that she needed. And this was in 12 hours. So our community's really responsive. Um, and then there's, you know, so many other examples of when a community will come to us with need and I can reach out to one of our business partners and, you know, really quickly we're able to send hundreds of, you know, whole chickens around the place from Teagle because they've received a call that a food bank here or um, a community event here needs food and we're able to resource that really quickly. Fantastic. So any one of us could be in a similar position to that where we need other people's kindness. Yeah, I'm a firm believer and and I think this is something that our charity, that one of our real core values is empathy. And I think we are nothing if we're not empathetic. You know, we have to be empathetic because at any stage of life, you could need help. And I think one thing that we always try and remember and we keep in our values and everything we do is that the difference between me being in the position to give is just luck um, and someone else being in the position of having to receive it's just luck, right? It's it's luck and it's the way that the system works. And I just think it's really important that we always remember that um, empathy and that at any stage of life you could need help. I think if we always keep that in the back of our minds, it's really important. Yeah. I think that's, for me, that's about empowerment. Eh? The person giving and the person receiving just as empowered as each other. Uh, and the act of, act of giving or act of kindness shouldn't be seen as a sort of power thing. Absolutely not. And that's the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? Like as sympathy is just very, comes from a position of power, but empathy comes from a position of being able to be on the same level as someone and realizing that the difference between me and them is nothing but luck. And tell us a bit about the origins of the Kindness Collective. How did it start and how did you get involved? So um, 2014, I... Yeah, it was a real tough year. I had, um, well, my son was born in 2012 and I experienced terrible, terrible postnatal depression, like just horrific and spent a couple of years just really not in a good place. And um, he was subsequently diagnosed with autism, severe autism at a really young age. And so, you know, despite having incredible love for my child, those first few years of his life were really dark for our family. And, you know, you try all the usual ways to, you know, make yourself feel a bit better when you're, you know, experiencing times of stress. But the usual methods of, um, you know, stress relief, drinking too much or whatever, they just didn't work. And, um, you know, you and I just I was trying to look for something to make myself feel better and to give myself more of, you know, something like a purpose or something to get myself out of the darkness. And. I started just randomly gathering food and, you know, getting my friends and family to gather, you know, excess food from their pantries and donate it to this Mother of Divine Women's Refuge that we've been working with for a long time. And I just started donating food and dropping off food. And then I started this mobile food bank collection from all over Auckland. And it just spiraled into this into this bigger group and then we started doing Christmas for them and other organizations and started 
doing practical things like rebuilding gardens and moving families from refuge into homes and, you know, working with refugees and a whole, it just, it just spiraled into um, this bigger thing. And then in 2019, a friend of mine nominated me for the ASB Good as Gold Award, which I won and then received $10,000 from that. And a whole bunch of people started getting in touch. And I soon realized if we were a registered charity, we'd be able to do more in the community because people would be involved more. So Cut to now, we've been a charity uh, for 18 months. I'm full-time in it, lucky to be full-time in it. And we're just, the growth has been insane in the last um, 12 months. And yeah, it's it sort of, it, it came from there. So we've been doing it for eight years, but in the capacity that we are now, it's been about 18 months. And, and going back to 2012, how, how dark was it for you? And, and what did you draw on as strength? turn it around and start looking out to do something purposeful? I think it was a real selfish thing to begin with. And I'm really honest about that in terms of I haven't always been a natural server. I'm not someone that, I mean, I, I've i always been the type of person that keeps cash in my wallet. So if I walk down Queen Street in Auckland and there was someone needing money, I'd be able to whip it out. I've always been that kind of person. But I'm not uh, you know, I haven't, I haven't grown up in the charity world. I haven't been immersed in that like I am now, but I found really, really quickly that giving back and not focusing on your own sadness was a real quick way to heal whatever was going on in your life. And I found really quickly that it's really hard to feel depressed when you're grateful. And the more I spent time in the community being resourceful and being helpful and not thinking about myself and spending my time and my focus on getting people items and resource and money and things that they needed to survive. The more I did that, the less I focused on my own depression and challenges and, and pretty quickly cut to a few years later, my son's thriving. I'm thriving. We have an amazing family team and it's life's good, you know? So I think that having that purpose with something bigger than yourself, that's not about yourself is, is a really good way to heal whatever you need to, you know? Yeah. Incredible. And do you have other people coming to you when they hear your story? Yeah. Yeah, I do. And I, I think one of the most beautiful things that has happened in the last 12 months is because people want to know how, they always want to know how, you know, it started and people hear about my son and they, they want to talk about that and that's fine. But, I, you know, it's always really, I struggle with how much do I talk about it because I don't want him when he's 20 to look back and go, oh, wow, mum, you really struggled with my autism. But also, you know, it's, it is the truth and you need to talk about it. But one of the things that was incredible this year was a woman seeing me on TV and hearing me talk about life got in touch and basically just told me her story and how seeing, you know, how, how listening to my story and hearing about what had happened with Max and what we'd achieved, you know, I guess what we'd built from that was really inspiring to her. And we had this really great conversation and, and um, things like that is, is, is what makes it great, you know? Yeah. I think Being able to, yeah. People don't want advice. They want hope and they often want hope through, other people's stories and other people's strength? A hundred percent. Nobody needs 
unsolicited advice from someone on the internet, you know, or, or even in general, like no one needs advice from anyone. All people are searching for. And the one thing I have learned, if I've learned anything in the last seven years is, is all people want is connection, right? That That's all they want. And they want, and if you're in a position where you have to live in a woman's refuge safe house, all you need is hope and you just need hope that things are going to turn around for you. And I think just learning that and learning that all people need is hope and connection, it keeps me in check with um, making sure that we are always, how do I say this, always remembering that there shouldn't be charities to begin with, right? Like I don't believe that charities should exist. I believe that everybody should have what they need to thrive in society and everyone should have the access to the basic needs and they don't, right? So I, I, I try and remember that in everything we do. Totally. And I think something struck me the other day with a guy was uh, in a podcast actually was around, um, you know, don't give advice unless someone absolutely begs you for it. Um, and w- when you said serving, like you're about, you know, whether you're a natural server or, or not really a server in life, I think serving people is a is a great approach and you're certainly doing that. Um, kind Kindness Collective, like scale, like how many people involved, where does it reach, like gives the feel for the organisation. God, it's really hard to quantify that because there's like, you know, I'm the only full-time person, but we have so many people I mean that's going to change with the growth that we're having at the moment that's going to change really quickly but we have so many amazing people that invest so much time into it and we have an incredible board and you know some amazing volunteers logistic volunteers and volunteer managers and just people who do amazing behind the scenes work and you know we've got we've got this group of active donors, volunteers, members that are all from all over New Zealand. I mean, we've got this woman in Taupo that is just amazing, doing incredible things for the Kindness Collective, but doesn't live in Auckland, you know? So we've, we've got thousands of people that are actively donating and, you know, and contributing in different ways. And our brand partners that we work with, honestly, we are so lucky with the support that we get. Um, and what we're able to achieve from that support. I guess a lot of what we do is in Auckland because I'm in Auckland and it's been such a quick growth period, um, but we're starting to do a lot more outside of Auckland now. Wonderful. And issues people are facing, so poverty, a key challenge in life, big difference between rich and poor and in Auckland particularly, actually. Um, but across New Zealand, what, what are the main issues that you find people need kindness to to counter god how long have you got um (laughs) i feel like i feel like this no one wants to listen to me talk about this for five hours but like i think there is huge and you know this is something that people either like they get it or they they don't but there's like a you know there is a huge you know income racial you know disparity there's just there is a, a lot in new zealand that isn't working right and I think a lot of our issues do stem from those systemic challenges right and I think um yeah the main issue that people are facing is they just don't have enough access to the 
the the basics, especially after COVID. Oh my goodness, some of the stories we have heard from some of the organisations we work with are just heartbreaking. And it's just that people have this, you know, they just don't have access to what they need and people are losing jobs. People are, the amount of families that were supposed to be coming to the Christmas Joy Store, which is our, we just opened a free toy shop for families in need over Christmas. And we've we've got about probably 2,000 children that are going to be coming through the store. And so many of them are coming to us saying, we can't get there. We can't get to West Auckland. We, you know, we're isolating from COVID. We, we have all these barriers for being able to access this thing that would be really beneficial to us. So I think COVID has really affected people in so many different ways that, you know, the average New Zealander doesn't really understand. And it all comes down to people not having access to the, the, the basics in life. Yeah. And then the pressure that puts on relationships and, you know, if parents aren't happy, fam- families aren't happy. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. Can you talk about doing a fair amount of work with refugees and is that breakdown of relationships a, a key part of what you see in terms of people being really in need? As in a breakdown of relationships? Well, we, we know that being if you're living in a home that is affected by poverty or family violence, the stress for parents is not something that you and I can understand. And I think that all comes down to that, you know, yeah. Uh, does, does that make sense? Yeah. I think that the stress from those situations, of course they affect relationships and then it's this generational trauma that goes and then we've got the problems that we do have we have now. I just, yeah, I, I wish people, I re, yeah, I don't know if this um, is relevant, but I, I, I wish people could see how, you know, it, We've been in lockdown. We're just coming out of it now for, I don't know, 15, 16, 17 weeks and however long it's been. But if people could see how it had affected families in South Auckland, for example, they probably would be less likely to complain about not getting their hair cut. Yeah, really good point. And, you know, you guys are absolutely godsend at a really crucial time i think um and it's great that from what i can see you guys are ramping up what you you do um you you guys are really good at communicating your message is that something you've always been good at or is something you really enjoy like getting the message out oh thank you um i look i think the kindness collective is um and i'm very honest about it i've i've been a marketer from my entire career, I I do marketing for a job, and I've only just left my full time career in marketing seven months ago. So I think we are lucky in that sense, in that I I do know how to communicate. So I think that does help, and I think being able to have good relationships with the people we are working with and the organisations we're working with really helps too. So it's really important to me to get messaging right. Because I don't want to ever speak for people. I don't ever want to come across like we're trying to be some saviour because we're not. We're just, you know, simply a resource filler. So I think communication of people's stories, people's messages and what we do is really important. And so you're a real foodie from your marketing background, aren't you? Well, you're certainly hospitality and food. Um, we've been a big part of your life. Was it is it difficult to walk away from that? Um, I know, you know the change came at a dark time for you, but has it been difficult? 
No, um, I actually, I was an event manager for a really long time and um, did some big events and, you know, did a whole bunch of things within that. And then that turned into event marketing and hospitality marketing and a whole bunch of other things as well. But I, I, I actually, you know what, I don't miss it. It, it wasn't hard because the Kindness Collective became impactful and it served a purpose and it, it's helping people. And I think that has become addictive. So that has, I don't miss it. I mean, I have people asking me all the time. I've had one client, for example, for 10 years that I just walked away from in one, you know, one big hospitality brand that I worked on for a really, really long time. And I, I don't miss it. Is that bad to say? I hope no one's listening. <laughs> but no, I don't miss it. <laughs> No, no, fair enough. And you're doing something with a huge amount of purpose right now. Yeah. I, there must be satisfaction in the fact that, you know, you've kind of grown it, evolved it, shining a light on it. Like it's, it's you know, it's your good work. So I imagine it's huge satisfaction in that. Yeah, it is my, it really is. I only have one child, my son Max, but the Kindness Collective is my other baby. And I am fiercely protective of what we've built, I think, because – Oh my goodness! The you know the hours and the sacrifice and the, the 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 amount of time I have put into building it. I it is my other child, and I adore it with everything that I am. So I don't miss my old life. I guess you could say. And it must have been great to win the New Zealander of the Year Local Hero Award. That must have been a great moment. Oh, I haven't won it. Oh God, no! I've been. <laughs> So, um, in three, I've actually, I am very, very fortunate. But in three months, I've, I, I did win the um, Westfield Local Hero, and then I have been made a finalist for um, the Westpac Women of Influence Awards with stuff. And then I received a couple of weeks ago a New Zealander of the Year Local Hero Medal. So a hundred people around the country are recognised for that, and then they put those into the top ten but I didn't make the top 10, which is totally fine because some of those people are doing incredible, incredible things um, like, you know, science stuff and like very, very, very incredible things. So I didn't expect in such an early, you know, early first stages of being a charity to make something like that. I'm just incredibly um, very overwhelmed to receive three recognitions in such a short period of time. Yeah. And all helps lift. The, the brand right it does like for me i mean i i feel i, I it sounds funny but it makes the awards and media make me anxious because i'm very like i i it makes me anxious but i know that they are wonderful because they mean more eyes are on the kindness collective and more eyes on the kindness collective means more people that resonate with what we're doing and then more donations and you know incredible things start happening when you get more eyes on what you do and so it's a mean there are means to an end for me but but there are a lot I find it a little bit embarrassing yeah fair enough and vision for the future like what what's your hope for kindness collective yeah I have lots of actually lots of hopes for it I mean I want I want it to be a nationwide incredibly impactful organization that's more than just another charity I, I don't think we need more charities I think we need more effective charities and more effective organizations. And I, I want the Kindness Collective to be a movement. I want people to be actively trying to put kindness into action and and to see a problem in their community and 
fix it, fill it immediately without, you know, having to apply for a grant and getting a response in six months and it's been declined and, you know, all the things that we have to go through. You know, there's so many, so many people in the community that you can directly help if we just do it. And I think that's what I want the Kindness Collective to become is, you know, 100,000 people all actively working towards doing impactful things in the community. Yeah. I think the collective piece rocks, doing things together with others. I think that's important. And I'm a, I'm a bit like you. I think if a bit of charities didn't exist in an obvious way, but also some of the things around charity is, is really frustrating, eh? But you guys get stuff done yeah. and a lot of stuff done on a daily and weekly basis. So huge congratulations for that and for all that you've achieved with it. And I know this is just, you know, just getting going really. But I think, as I said, very important time for you guys, particularly Auckland, who's, who's experienced more than 100 days of lockdown and there's a lot of people who have lost their jobs and there is a lot of people really struggling with the basics. If you were advising anyone who wants to kind of swap their corporate career or their you know, commercial role for a job doing something similar to you, what would be your advice Keeping in mind that we said it right at the start of this interview, we wouldn't be giving out advice. But what would you what would you share? I think that's different advice. Like I would never go into a family's home or an organization I work with and try and tell them to do something differently. I mean, I have done that. You know, I've tried to do that a few times, and it's it's not. You know, yeah, I would never do that. That's different advice. But advice for someone who's in a corporate role, I think or, you know, wants to find a purpose in their life. Life is really short. And something I realized a year ago is that when I'm on my deathbed, my boss or any of my clients are not going to be there holding my hand, telling me, thank you so much for your hard work. (laughs) They're not going to be doing that. So find something in your life that gives you joy, that makes you feel like you yeah, it, it gives you joy. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel like at the end of the day, when you go to bed, you feel satisfaction that you've done something of worth. Find something or a cause or whatever it is that makes you feel like that, and then and just do it. I I think, yeah. I mean, there there are people out there who you know a better job and a better car and a better house that makes you happy, and that that that's cool. But it wasn't enough for me. So I think if you are in that position and you want to do something else with your life that isn't just the corporate hamster wheel, then start, you know, even start volunteering and getting out there and finding, you know, finding causes that resonate with you and getting stuck in at a volunteer level as well is really cool and really helpful. Yeah, great advice. And when, you know, the day-to-day of the Kindness Collective can feel, starts to feel like work, where do you try, draw your inspiration from? Oh, look, so, we, you know, there are definitely things that I'm having to do in my role because I'm, you know, CEO, but I'm also doing a whole bunch of things that CEOs don't do at the moment because that's just the way it is. But, you know, when you start having to – I love my board, great board. Do not enjoy writing board papers and things like that. Like, that's not fun for me. Um, what gives me joy is driving away from the refuge after delivering a van load of food or – a van load of, you know, nappies and new baby clothes and things that they need, that brings me joy. So I, I think when the things, the admin stuff starts feeling heavy, I just will put it aside and, 
you know, go and do something in the community that I know that is benefiting someone else. Wonderful. Honestly, massive admirer uh, at my end and keep up the fantastic work. Um, And thank you for joining me on Purposely Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Purposely Podcast. Please subscribe and leave a review. I hope you like what you're hearing, because I sure do. Thank you.